I'm Paige. And I'm Megan. And this is Spooky Science Sisters. Hello, you're listening to Spooky Science Sisters, a podcast where we present to you a science-based and probably very giggly discussion on all things strange and unusual. In this episode, we're going to read some spooky listener stories and talk about some possible explanations for them. But before we get to our discussion, it's time for something spooky and it's been forever. So (laughs) Paige, did anything spooky happen to you in the last six months? (laughs) five months however long it's been (laughs) you know i was thinking about this and i was like man i really should have saved the new me story for like a later episode because i will never top that uh (laughs) yeah that was like that was a very early episode and it's like yeah how do you how do you top that (laughs) i don't i don't but i suppose i will share a story um that we actually talked about on our guest appearance on monster talk so We just bought a house, uh, which is exciting. And I think was probably one of my last something spookies was the housing market. So yay, we bought a house. But yeah, now we're on the other side. And that reminds me we do, we should still go back and listen to the prediction from the Mansi podcast. Oh, shoot. About whether or not, (laughs) about whether or not uh, you were going to be able to buy a house. Cause I think it was like really shortly after that that, um, that you guys finally found one. So yeah, I think it was like, yeah, within like the month. So yeah, we buy this house. And one of my favorite rooms in the house is our bathroom, because they did a really nice job redoing it or remodeling it. Um, And I think it was just before we bought it. But in the bathroom, there is a fancy, our fan has like a fancy Bluetooth speaker in it. So like, You can play music while you're in the shower and it comes with the Bluetooth speaker. Or you can play music for someone else who's in the bathroom if you're trying to rush them out. And my my husband had connected to the Bluetooth speaker earlier in the day. And that evening, like somebody must have gone upstairs and turned the fan on. And so we're all downstairs playing games and he's like playing some game on his phone and all of a sudden there's this like weird growling sound coming from upstairs and I start and we're all like looking at each other like oh what was that so I was I- there at the time we had like it was literally the weekend that they moved in and we had helped them with like the last few heavy items that they had to to get in the house and it was like a pretty scary sound like it it was literally like something was like growling at us yeah. Uh, <laughs> or roaring maybe is a is a better way to describe the sound. So I yeah. look at my husband and I'm like, what's that? And he's like, oh, I think it's just the ice maker. <laughs> like, I don't know what ice makers you've had in your past, but like that is not the fucking ice maker. <laughs> so he's like, you know, convinced it's the ice maker and he's sitting there and he continues playing whatever game he's playing. And we realize that like whatever game he's playing is just making these sounds, but he's still connected to the Bluetooth speaker. (laughs) So they're coming through that. Uh, So not ended up not being spooky, ended up just being really funny. But when it first happened, I was like, great, we just moved into this house and it clearly has (laughs) some sort of something going on with it. Yeah, there's like definitely a demon like moving (laughs) upstairs. (laughs) This is the beginning of the end. Yeah. The best part is that, yeah, is that Elliot, because here's the thing about Elliot, is that 
I would have expected him to do this on purpose. I would have expected that, like, he was playing these sounds through the bathroom speaker on purpose and trying to mess with us. But, like, he didn't realize what it was either. No. He was just like, oh, it's just the ice maker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So now it's become sort of a running joke that, like, anytime you hear a weird noise... It's just the ice maker. <laughs> we're like, oh, that's that's probably just the ice maker. <laughs> uh, so, so that's my something spooky. <laughs> what about you? <laughs> I don't really have anything. I was just going to say that I think we know that, like, Elliot's definitely the guy that just, like, gets murdered in the horror movie because... He's just like, can't bother to go really investigate what's going um, on. Unclear if I want to keep this in or not. We will discuss. If, if, I mean, I guess not many people will know where I live. But the other day I had like dropped and I get up like super early for work. So mm-hmm. I had gotten up and was in the kitchen, like grabbing lunch. And I had dropped my phone on the floor. Mm-hmm. And when I got home that night, I was like, hey, sorry if I woke you up this morning. <laughs> And Elliot's like, oh, yeah, I heard that, but I wasn't sure if it was you. (laughs) And I was like, "Uh, what do you mean? Like, he was like, well, I didn't know if like, I didn't see what time it was. So I didn't know if you had left. And I was like, so you didn't get up and check. And he was like, (laughs) he was like, I was basically at that point where I was so tired that I was like, "Eh, if I die, I die. Great. Good to know. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> uh yeah. Nothing nothing spooky happening over here though. Just living life. <laughs> okay, so yay, Halloween listener stories. Very exciting. It has been I feel like sort of like pandemic fatigue has <laughs> really been getting to me a little bit more this year so yeah it's been sort of a a weird spooky season a little bit for various reasons but it's crazy that it's time for another round of these and i think we got some really good ones this year so if you are new or you don't remember these are stories that the listener either debunked so it was like something that they initially thought was paranormal but ended up being just you know something they could explain like the ice maker and (laughs) (laughs) or uh, these are stories that they would like us to take a stab at debunking and i think that's all that's two out of the three stories this time around and there's a little bit i guess of the third one as well but yeah there there's some puzzlers uh (laughs) per usual i have ended up feeling like i wish that i had more time to research some background information for these, but but also I sort of like that we just like talk about the seat of our pants <laughs> <laughs> for these episodes. And it's nice that this year I can actually hear Paige talking. So last year's Halloween Listener Stories episode, we were using... I forgot about yeah. that. Yeah, <laughs> we were using the old website that we used to use to record it. And, like, something weird was going on with my computer's, like, network card and the website was freaking out and I don't know. Either way, like, one of us could not hear the other one talking for, I don't know, like, 50% of the episode. I would say, like, at least half of the episode. Yeah. (laughs) 
So, so yeah, it was like a little less back and forth than I would have hoped because, yeah, we couldn't hear shit the whole time. <laughs> so this will hopefully be a lot better. Okay, so I'm going to read the first story and then we can talk a little bit about what we think is going on. So this one comes from Sophie. Uh, Sophie is either from Australia or lives in Australia still. I am not sure, but super exciting. I I wondered if she may have found us through Karen. And I like want to ask Karen about the location of Sophie's story as well. So Karen, if you're listening, that's coming. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So Sophie says, I saw you were looking for some spooky stories to debunk, and I thought I would share this one with you because I would love to hear your thoughts on it. Great. To help understand the room layout, I've included a photo of a picture I drew to help understand the layout and where everyone was standing. I love this. We will definitely be sharing the photo. I love a good diagram (laughs) to go with the story. So this story happened to my mom in 98. She had come as a parent chaperone on a three-day overnight excursion that our school did every two years. I was eight at the time. My brother was five and a half. We saw a lot of different places, but the one I remember the most is a house in the town in rural New South Wales, Australia called Monte Cristo. The house is very historically rich and has the title of the most haunted house in Australia. It has a lot of horrible history, like chaining a disabled child in the stables and a maid falling from the balcony onto the front stairs and dying in the doorway. My teacher at the time took us there for the historical aspect, but my school of 14 kids, ages 5 to 12, also loved hearing the age-appropriate ghost stories, and no parents objected to the visit. (laughs) (laughs) We started the tour downstairs, learning about life in the house, and then went upstairs to the owner's bedroom. We were told about how they were dressed for the day and how the stiff collars they had to wear at the time caused a sore on the owner's neck that led to sepsis, and he died. Yikes. Yeah. To give a layout of the room, walking in from the hallway, you can directly see a dresser with a mirror, the bed, and then if you turn to the left, there was a wardrobe, and on the far left wall were two closed windows with curtains. I can also remember the room being hot and no wind at all until we walked back out into the hallway. That is a lot of detail to remember. It is. From 1998. (laughs) (laughs) I had the same thought when I read it. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, but I guess she had her, her mom with her too. So she's got some co- a collaborator here to talk Well, and her brother. Her. I mean, he's five yeah, and a half, true. but like. Yeah. I don't remember anything from when I was. <laughs> I don't remember anything from last week. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> so as the tour guide walked us through everything on the dresser with our teacher supervising, the parents stood back a bit and my mom was kind of standing a little behind them as it was a smallish room made smaller with 14 kids, a tour guide, a teacher, and four parents. As the tour guide told us about the owner's death, mom started to feel something tapping her shoulder. She described it as the kind of tapping you would do to someone who was blocking your way and you wanted to get past them. She looked around, saw nothing near her that could cause the feeling, brushed it off, and went back to listening. Then the tapping happened again. I don't know how many times that happened, but it did stop once the tour guide told us that the owner had died in the room. Mom likes to shrug it off and just says he just wanted to let me know that he was still hanging around, but I'm curious if you have another explanation. So yeah, this is a ghost 
tapping her mom on the shoulder while they were in this famously haunted house in Australia. So do you have any initial thoughts about this before I sort of dive into the little novel I've written about it? I mean, I think that like, you know, most people would probably say something along the lines of like, oh, somebody was probably just like playing a prank, like somebody was behind you and you didn't see them, whether it be, you know, one of the kids that ran behind you or somebody else who was in in there, like maybe not with your group. But other than that, you know, I don't know that I had a ton of super intelligent thoughts (laughs) about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My initial thought was like, well, what if it was just actually a person right, trying to get in? Or yeah, that it was a kid on the group who was, you know, had figured out how to get behind them and and was messing with her. But I think if you look at the uh, picture that she included... Her mom is like sort of back up against the wardrobe. Yeah. So it would, it would have been, you know, I feel like she would have noticed if somebody was behind her, but yeah, what a that's lie. fair. <laughs> and I think, I think on the like the top wall that we're supposed to be seeing here are two, the two windows, right? I believe so. That's how yeah. I see it. Okay. So that was the other thought that I had was like maybe. I, don't, I guess she says there was no breeze, but I was thinking maybe something was going on with like the window or a drapery or something like that, you know? Yeah, well, I had that thought with like, I don't know, like dress or they say wardrobe. Is that like a, I mean, is that like, are you picturing that as like two doors that open into like an actual wardrobe or are yeah. you picturing like dresser doors? Yep. Okay. So like if a door was maybe not fully closed, I had that thought, but that's sort of where I went with it. Yeah. Okay. But I wanted to look a little bit into this uh, this house that she talks about just to sort of get a sense of uh, what they say about it today. So this is the Monte Cristo homestead. It was built in 1885 in Juni, New South Wales, Australia. And like Sophie mentioned, it advertises itself as Australia's most haunted house, which is sort of a red flag for me. <laughs> They've been doing this. <laughs> Everything's the most. Everything's the most haunted. Like literally everything they call themselves the most haunted. And especially when they like really lean into that being their thing, there's like pressure from whoever owns the property to like not debunk things, right? So yeah. Right. Well and and to like try to Get to a play group, stuff yeah, to happens. play stuff up and like kind of scare the group a little bit, or like get them into a almost like a state of paranoia where they're looking for stuff. Right. Yeah. And then this has been visited by Ghost Hunters International, so another red flag, <laughs> and a few other paranormal television shows have visited as well. So yeah, so there's like a lot of there's just a lot of setup here. Uh there's also this very tragic history. She mentioned the the maid dying from falling from the balcony. I guess that one's sort of unsubstantiated as to whether it really happened, but yeah, there's definitely stories of of several tragedies or tragic deaths happening on the property or in the house. And I think that sort of just leads to there's some definite like priming slash like people if they're more suggestible are gonna go into this like thinking i'm gonna have a paranormal experience like this place is haunted so i looked around a little bit more and sort of uh to go along with this found an article 
that I was super excited about called Strange But True, The The Mystery of the Monte Cristo Homestead and the Supernatural Science that Explains It. And this appeared in the BBC Science Focus magazine. So it starts out talking about the experiences of the Ryan family who purchased the property in 1963, and it sounds like they probably still own it. So after they purchased this property and during their time living there, so they had a time where they like saw a bunch of lights in the windows when they pulled up to the house, but went inside and there was nobody there. They heard phantom footsteps. They saw a figure standing on the balcony where the maid supposedly fell from. They saw other ghosts in the house, ghostly figures in the house. They felt phantom hands resting on their shoulders. So it sort of sounds like Sophie's mom, uh, what she experienced has, has been experienced by other people in the house. They had pictures being moved from the walls. So I say like not falling because they would like, be hanging up and then the next day they'd be on the ground and not broken. So like somebody had taken them off the wall and put them on the ground. Uh, People had in the house had a sense someone was watching them. And Lawrence Ryan, who is the son of that family who purchased it in 1963, still gives tours in the house. So there have been some experiences there. Unfortunately, this article ended up being pretty general in terms of talking about explanations for what people experience during hauntings and the equipment that ghost hunters use, but, and like basically covering a lot of things that, you know, we've talked about before rather Mm -hmm. than being super specific about like what is happening in this specific house. I did think it was interesting though. So they talk about this particular experiment that was done in 2004 when psychologist Christopher French set up a haunted room, quote unquote haunted room, where he and his colleagues bombarded participants in this study with infrasound and electromagnetic fields, which are two things that people have suggested could induce people to think that, you know, they had some sort of ghost going on here. Gotcha. What was weird was there ended up being no difference between the control group, so the people who went into the room and no electromagnetic field, no infrasound was applied to it, and the people in the group where they did have EM fields and infrasound pumped into the room. And this is weird because it meant that people from both groups and roughly the same amount of people from both groups reported having strange or weird experiences in the room. Hmm. So like, it didn't matter what the conditions were that are, were applied to the room, both groups, there were people in them that like thought it was haunted, weird. which is weird. Yeah, that is weird. <laughs> so all the participants in both the control group and, the, you know, the, I guess, experimental group. Yeah, it's called the experimental group. Uh, were asked to complete a personality test. And what French and his colleagues found was that those who were what they would call highly suggestible based on those personality test results, all were the people who reported strange experiences in the room. So what it comes down to is basically they're very suggestible. The researchers told them they would have strange experiences. And so they and did. And so they did. Huh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it's sort of hard to say really what happened. I think it sort of, it lends, it lends, it definitely lends credibility to Sophie's story and her mom 
given that her mom's just sort of like, eh, whatever about it, you know? Like, she's not like, oh, we went to this haunted house. And like, right. This ghost tapped me on the shoulder, you know? But I think, like, they're going into the house knowing that it's supposed to be haunted. And you're just going to be, like, more likely to, I don't know, start spacing out while the tour guide is talking and, like, think something is hitting your shoulder or whatever, you know? Right. Like, I always think in these situations, like, I feel my damn phone vibrate in my pocket. All the time. When it's not in my pocket. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's something that happens to me on, like, a daily basis. But, yeah, it's like you get in a situation like this and... I mean, I, I don't know. I, I feel like I'm bound to, to think something weird has happened. Yeah. Point being, you can you can feel things like your brain can trick you into feeling things that aren't actually happening. So that's like my best explanation for what's going on or what happened in Sophie's story. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. Greetings from Evergreen Podcasts. We're rolling out a listener survey and we want to hear from you. The information in the survey will help us gather statistics and in turn make our shows more appealing to advertisers. I know most people don't like ads, but this is one of the only ways our shows make money and help keep their lights on. We promise it will only take a few minutes, but the impact on our podcasts will be tremendous. As a token of our appreciation, we'll randomly select one lucky participant each month to win an exclusive merchandise package from Evergreen Podcasts. Head to evergreenpodcast.com slash listener survey to help a show and possibly get some free stuff for doing so. We can't thank you enough for the support. Now back to the show. Okay, you're going to do the next story. All right. And this one is from DJ Pat. And I think this one came through just like an email. Yeah. Yes. Okay. He says, Hey, y'all, I figured I'd send this along your way because I still don't know what happened. Maybe y'all can suggest an explanation. About a decade ago, my family and I went to Kentucky right after I graduated from high school. One of our stops was Waverly Hills Sanatorium. We went through the tour, and things were creepy, but I never saw anything move or heard any voices, until we got to the third floor. The guide told us this was where the shadow people were. She said that if we wanted, we could go down the hall one at a time, and the shadow people would move in and walk around the person at the end of the hall. Well, one guy walked down the hall, and I shit you not, there were human figures that appeared around him. There was nothing around that would create shadows like that. There was a little bit of light cast by a security light outside, and the shadow people were well-defined. They didn't seem to be shadows of trees. They had heads and necks and arms. No lower half because the light from the window didn't go down that far. I walked down the hall myself after that, and there was absolutely nothing that I could see around me. My mom said, when I came back, that from her perspective, at the end of the hall, I had one or two shadow people move around me, too. That's the kicker. They weren't actually moving in ways that the shadow from a static object or a tree waving in the breeze would. I don't believe in ghosts. I'm a scientifically minded person. I don't have a fucking clue what I saw that night. (laughs) Maybe y'all can help. Were my eyes playing tricks on me? Was it a quirk of psychology since the guide prompted us? I can't say. So, what do you think, Megan? What do I think? What do you think? So, it's like not the most satisfying answer, but my initial thought is that his idea that the guide prompting them, you know, made them more likely to have to see things in the dark. And especially like it, it since it took 
it sounds like it like took a few people before they started to see them. And like we know from doing like the Bloody Mary episode and stuff, like your brain sort of gets weird if it's like staring down, you know, a hallway. Yeah. (laughs) Or staring down into like some dark space for an extended period, like trying to see something. Like I think eventually your brain might just start seeing something. So that's my thought. I also think potentially that it's just the tour people fucking with them because like it's, you know, again, this is a place like Waverly Hills has had the ghost hunters there. They've had ghost adventures there. You know, it's a big thing. Like that's their whole thing is like paranormal tours and events and stuff like that. So do I think they might have faked it for the tour group? Possibly. Yeah. So... I had pretty much the exact same thoughts. And if you look, like it sounds, I mean, they refer to it, like they say it in the tour, mm-hmm. according to the story that like, this is where the shadow people are. So right. like, yeah. a lot of people <laughs> have witnessed or say they've had this experience of seeing shadow people. And so, yeah, I'm sort of with you that I think it has something to do with like the guide prompting us or not us. We did not go there. Uh, <laughs> prompting them. I would uh, go there. Though. I would too. <laughs> um, and like just being in there and in the right environment and staring down like a dimly lit or, you know, a hallway with virtually no lighting, like you're going to start seeing things. Right. But... <laughs> I did want to talk about this and like it could be totally off base and like not at all what's happening here. And I don't really know. I mean, it. I will I will explain and then we can talk about it. So Great. there was a study in 2006 by neurologist Olaf and I think is it blank Blanca? I think it'd be blank. I think it would be Blanc. Either Blanc or Blanca. Or yeah. Blanca, yeah. Um, in Switzerland. And they were doing this study where they were attempting to identify the reason for a woman's seizures. And what they ended up finding is that when they sent a current through her, what's called the tempor- temporoparietal lobe, oh my gosh, temporoparietal junction, she noted feeling somebody in the room with her. And then like later had said that she had actually seen a figure in the room with her. So she had sort of like seen a shadowy figure. So the temporal parietal junction is responsible for giving you your sense of self versus other. And it's responsible for giving you like a body map based off of inputs inputs that are received by your senses. So like if you touch something with your hand, then it is responsible for like basically telling you where your hand is at, if that makes sense. Oh, I think that's also we talked a little bit recently about that when we did the cave the talk about caves with Sarah on her on uh, the archaeological fan disease podcast, mm-hmm. like that caves screw people up because it can sort of like mess with that part of your brain. Yeah. And it's attributed in part to the hallucinations and the feelings of a stranger being in the room with you or seeing shadowy figures during sleep paralysis. And so they basically say that like when you're like during REM sleep that I'm going to call it the TPG because it's TPJ, if I can get my letters correct, (laughs) because it's a long word. So the TPJ um, is essentially turned off during REM sleep. And so they say when you wake up and you're 
you feel paralyzed, your brain is firing, try to tell, trying to tell your body to move. Normally during that time, the limbs will give feedback from the signals your, your brain is sending out to help build your body map basically over again. But oh. with that part of your brain not fully being turned on, you basically end up like projecting that body map elsewhere. And so mm-hmm. it's essentially like you seeing yourself out. Like it's like that out of body experience for people. So like with this specifically, it's basically, like I said, taking yourself and projecting it out. So it's like hallucinating almost your own body um, yeah. I guess in simple terms. So I don't necessarily know that that's what's going on here. And like, I can't say that it's ever been related to this experience of, you know, walking through a hallway and seeing a shadowy figure. But mm-hmm. I would imagine that like, if this happens to you or like can happen to you uh, coming out of sleep, then like, I, it would, I would imagine that like your brain can probably do something similar to you in like high stress or like high, you know, paranoia situations. Um, and like, it could just be a misfiring. I mean, I don't think that's going to be an explanation for every one of these shadowy figure situations. I'm just saying, I think it is possible that like, that's what's happening and you're actually seeing them, but like, they aren't really there. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. I think, my counter to that would be to me i thought his story his story was suggesting that everybody in the tour group saw these shadow figures which like i don't think everybody's tpj is misfiring at the same time you know right right i'm just saying that like i i don't necessarily think that could that is necessarily what's going on right here in this story i just thought it's kind of related and like yeah if your brain can do that then like why couldn't it do like why couldn't you see a shadowy figure when you're out yeah yeah i mean i'm sure there's yeah some like related connection between those i was also sort of looking back at dj's story and so i think the fact that so he says he walked down the hall himself after that and and that he couldn't see like his mom could see shadow figures around him but he couldn't see them like so it's like well then they they weren't there then you know right yeah (laughs) like it has to be something about like standing at the other side of the, you know, down the hall that is making people see them. And I could like totally see that like somebody's, you know, I start playing trick on, tricks on them in the tour group and they start saying, hey, you know, there's shadow figures all around that guy. And then everybody and then is everybody, on this tour group. Yeah. They're all looking for them. And so it's like, it's just like we said to the last thing, like, Someone told them they were there, so they were, you know? <laughs> yeah, I actually uh, – and I should have I should have copied the picture over, but I had seen a Reddit post of somebody who was in this hallway and had mm-hmm. said that they saw shadowy figures and posted the photo of them on Reddit. And, like, there were several people who were like, oh, I see it. Like, that's creepy. But I look at it, and I don't see anything. Oh. Well, I think that's it for that second story, right? Yes. Yeah, it is. Okay. So our last one is the longest story that we got, but I'm very excited about it. And I have actually heard this one before. So this comes from a friend on TikTok. Yay! (laughs) Tyson does a similar thing to the stories that I tell on TikTok. He sort of 
you know, talks about urban legends and ghost stories and monsters, but also from sort of this critical, skeptical viewpoint. And he's a great storyteller. And he typed this out. It's yeah, I, I've heard it before because we did like a TikTok live thing together where we just chit chatted for a while and, and talked to people. And I was like, you have to send this to Halloween listener stories because it's super creepy. <laughs> so, and he even gave it a title. He has called this, they came at night. Very spooky. Okay. I'm like super excited about this one. <laughs> Great. It is a good one. <laughs> so Tyson writes, I'll never forget the night it started. I had fallen asleep on a couch in the spare room of my childhood home after a long night of playing with my hand-me-down PS1. I rolled over and noticed the room was filled with white mist. The door was ajar and then it slowly opened completely. A woman in a white nightgown walked atop the mist. Everything about her was white, her hair, dress, skin, yet somehow transparent. It's less like I saw through her and more like I saw every angle of her at once, if that makes sense. She remained in the doorway, staring directly at me. I'm not sure how I knew and still know that she was staring at me, given the absence of irises or pupils, but I knew. (laughs) It's terrifying. (laughs) I trembled as I watched her for what felt like an eternity. Eventually, she faded away along with the mist that she appeared to be made of. It became a horrific routine. It seemed like once or twice a month, she would appear to me at night and only when the lights were off. I began to sleep with the light on and leave other lights on to ensure a safe trail should I have to navigate our creaky creaky Victorian farmhouse at night. I stayed awake as long as I could to minimize the risk of seeing her at night. In school, my grades suffered. I didn't feel like seeing my friends. I was diagnosed with depression and anxiety. I felt like I was robbed of a childhood in some respects, all because of my fear of the lady in white. After several years, I retained which rooms she appeared in, approximately when that was at night, and so on, but there was only one constant. She only appeared in the dark. Given these observations, I learned which room in the house should be my room. I made my sisters trade bedrooms, as theirs was the only room where I was free of the lady in white and the one closest to a streetlight outside. I slept peacefully for a time." This could go on and on. I can, I will, and have written multi-page documents on the matter, trying to make sense of it. Rest assured, I had this down to a science. But then one night, I saw something new, this time in the light. It was a shadowy silhouette of a man wearing a fedora. I was petrified and began to cry. I felt defeated. Thankfully, I would only see him once. When I was a teenager, I learned of the owners before us. As fate would have it, it was a distant cousin. Admittedly, I have a massive family, and I have yet to meet everyone, even though I'm currently pushing 30. This cousin, who I'll call Mary, lived in North Carolina for most of my life, which is why we never met. She lived in my childhood home when she was a kid. It was handed down to her as an adult after her mother passed and her father was placed in a senior living facility. Mary was in her late 40s at this time. When I reached out to Mary via MySpace, I asked her if she had any paranormal experiences in the house. She immediately replied, are we talking about the man or the woman? I've seen both. <laughs> Lord. Together, we know little about this four-bedroom, one-bath in rural southeastern Ohio. We know it was built in 1860. We know after renovations that hidden corridors were found between the upstairs bedrooms. 
However, this is likely due to the community's collective involvement with the Underground Railroad many years ago. But this was never verified despite three other stations located in the township. We know that the house next door was used as a pest house in the late 1800s or early 1900s. Other than that, we're clueless. I hate how cliche my story is. I hate that I saw a shadow man in a hat and a lady in white. However, it makes sense. I believe that these stereotypical ghostly forms were influenced by things I retained subconsciously, as this was the time of movie rental stores. (laughs) Our small town miraculously had one such store, and I spent a lot of time just staring at the covers of horror VHS tapes in sheer terror. Halloween, The Exorcist, Child's Play, the images on the back of the covers scared me enough without viewing. Further, I've made peace with the fact that I have an irrational fear of the dark, aka nyctophobia. To this day, dark rooms induce panic, and I still sleep with the light on. However, now it's a lamp or TV screen, not every light in the room. Further, I've learned in my research that people with depression, anxiety, ADHD are prone to report paranormal encounters such as Bigfoot, UFO, and ghostly encounters. These encounters can be harmful to one's mental health as evident in my own experience. As an adult, I've had paranormal encounters and truly believed the lady in white had followed me from house to house. However, in retrospect, I have realized that these later encounters coincided with extremely stressful situations, such as making it out of an abusive relationship and after the death of my uncle. As a child, my mental health went without treatment due to financial constraints and crappy health insurance. I did not attend therapy or regularly take medication for my mental illnesses until adulthood. However, even with these massive strides in the right direction, stressful situations can still exacerbate a feeling of paranoia or even being watched. I know now that these horrific episodes are not paranormal, but I understand why they appear to be so. But after all these years, only one thing has truly perplexed me. How did Mary and I see the same thing? (sighs) This one gives me chills. (laughs) it's so good it's so good (laughs) so yeah thank you so much Tyson I love this story and this was like a beautiful retelling of it so I pretty much so this is an example of you know where he's thought about this for years and years from this you know skeptical logical viewpoint and has pretty much debunked it I think on his own, you know? Yeah. I think this is some combination of, yeah, like some phobia of the dark. Maybe there's some sleep paralysis at play, which like we know can, like he said, like flare up when you're having problems with anxiety and other mental health issues. The, he points out that that these are sort of stereotypical ghost images to see, which I think pretty much explains to me at least why his cousin and he saw the same thing. Well, and it's like, I mean, they're living in what a a Victorian farmhouse and that was built in the 1800s. Like just that style home, I think is like, it's like the stereotypical haunted house, you know? Yeah. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Like, part of what I was like when I first started reading this is uh, Elliot's great aunt lived in 
a similar home um, a lot of his childhood. Mm -hmm. And like all of the cousins have like very similar stories about like waking up in the middle of the night and like seeing Mm -hmm. this girl like dressed in white. Like they all have like very similar stories whenever they would spend the night at at that house. Yeah. If you're in like an old Victorian farmhouse, like, well, you're going to like if you if your brain's like thinking you're seeing something weird or like you're having some sleep paralysis sleep paralysis event like it makes sense that it would sort of be the same thing across different people yeah i also think like since other family had lived in the house before his that it's possible that some story of somebody seeing something in the house mm-hmm. had been passed to his parents. I was going to say And that, the like, same when thing. he was too young to remember, yeah, like when he was too young to remember, he overheard somebody talking about this story and it sort of got like lodged in that mm-hmm. subconscious. So that, like, when, you know, when he started having these, these, episodes or seeing things like you know his brain went right to that yeah i had the exact same thought but it's a great story and if you are listening to us because you found us on tiktok you should absolutely go follow tyson his username is underscore tyson kemp so it's underscore t-y-s-o-n-k-e-m-p and we will link to him in the show notes for sure so do you have any other thoughts on that? I don't think so. Great. Great story, though, and really well told. Yeah, so good. So well written. We are we're grateful. And so grateful to everybody who shared stories this year. These were really good ones. Yeah, <laughs> they were. Yeah, like these were really, really good ones. I had a super fun time reading about the Monte Cristo homestead and sort of thinking about what could be going on there. The Waverly Hills one, it sounds like you really, you know, had fun going down rabbit hole. Mm-hmm. About that. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, these were great ones. Thank you guys. Happy Halloween. That's all I have to say. That wraps up our second Halloween listener story episode. Tune in to episode 38 when we do our Thanksgiving special episode on creepy bird stories. (laughs) We don't know what that means yet, guys, but... It's going to be good. Whatever it is, it's going to be good. (laughs) If a turkey has killed someone, we're going to find the story. (laughs) (laughs) If you liked this episode, hit subscribe and share with a friend. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at SpookySciPod. Facebook at Spooky Science Sisters, and at our website, SpookySciencesisters.com. If you have any questions about previous topics or episodes for future episodes, email us at SpookySciencesisters at gmail.com. Also, if you happen to know of any creepy bird stories, let us know. (laughs) (laughs) As always, thank you so much for listening. Stay spooky and happy Halloween. History is complicated. The story of human progress is long, messy, and riddled with controversies big and small. On Conflicted, we dive headfirst into history's most infamous events and contentious figures. We try and untangle the good from the bad, the facts from the fiction, and the monsters from the misunderstood. Was Genghis Khan a murderous butcher or a civic pioneer? Did the Allied powers go too far? in firebombing the German city of Dresden at the twilight of World War II? And how did the Marquis de Sade, a 
acquire such a sinister reputation? And was any of it true? These are just a few of the tough questions we wrestle with and investigate on Conflicted. So if you love history or just enjoy a good story, please join me, your host, Zach Cornwell, for a fascinating new topic each and every month. Conflicted, a history podcast, is available on Spotify, Apple, or wherever else you get your podcasts. I hope to see you soon.